Great. Well, um, earlier in the year, we uh, did a Bible teaching series on the subject of work, uh, looking at some basic principles uh, from the Bible about our life at work or whatever we do uh, in our days. It it doesn't have to necessarily be um, employment uh, or paid work. And we were thinking about um, how some of these principles might work out, and we looked at a number of characters in the Bible, believers who uh, work them out in their lives. And really that was the beginning of that, that thinking. It was a short series, and a number of people said, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, and not in a critical way, but in a positive way. Uh, so uh, what we're going to do, the idea always was to keep that... Um, that theme rolling through at different times. So through our regular Bible teaching series, we will be you know, stopping now and then to, to tackle some of these subjects uh, relating to work uh, and life, as it were. And today, we're thinking about leisure. Someone said, well, it was good to have some stuff on work, but, but what about leisure? We, you know, how are we supposed to handle that? So you know, what should our attitude to leisure really be? I was a few years ago, well, many years ago, actually. I won't tell you how many because it's too worrying. Um, I was involved in an international student cafe. It was a team uh, when I used to work with students uh, a long time ago. And uh, it was in Oxford. And uh, the deal was, rather like they do in Bournemouth today and in Cambridge and places, a team of us would be involved, students and others involved in running a cafe for international students. We do activities and all that kind of stuff. And it was quite hard work. And, and I'd been there a week, and then a new team came in, and, uh, and myself and my colleague, we were leading it. And one of the new students uh, got really upset uh, when it came to the, the day in the week where we were going to have the day off or at least the, the, the morning and the afternoon off. And you know, he was really, really uptight and very concerned because he, he'd just come back a, f- a week before from a, a very intensive mission period on the continent. And, and he was all for giving out tracts to everybody he saw all the time. And on the day off, he wanted us to, oh, don't have a day off. Let's all go down into Oxford and give out tracts to lots of people, tracts of gospel leaflets, you know, to, to tell them about Jesus. And, uh, well, myself and the other team leader said, well, no, we're having a day off. And he went and did it, and it was a bit difficult. And actually, the, the week or two didn't end well for him because the guy just didn't seem to get the idea that you should have any time off at all, any leisure. And this is part of our question is it right? What about leisure? Are Christians supposed to have leisure? You know, are we, aren't we supposed to be so full on for the Lord Jesus that you know, every waking minute of every hour we're, we're doing great things and good things and you know, doing evangelism and disciple making, etc., etc. Uh, is leisure part of it? Should we have any? Well, remember the, uh, the big idea of that work series, those of you who were around at that time, was that all of life is for God and that Jesus is Lord of everything. And that the whole of our lives, there shouldn't be any division between the bits that we describe as to do with faith and the bits that are to do with the rest of life. All of our lives are for God and for his glory. And we saw those characters in the Bible who worked that out. And you remember, those, we had some very key verses in Colossians 3 that tells us that Whatever we do, we should do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through him. And in that same passage, Paul there is talking to people who were slaves. So they they didn't have very good working conditions. 
And even to those people, Paul says to them, look, whatever you do, uh, do, uh, no, that, I'm reading wrong. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's what Paul says. The whole of life is about God if we're believers. Now, you can check out that series online. Just go to the website and follow the links and you can hear some of that. If you missed the first one, uh, Louise introduced the subject and talked a lot about Colossians 3 there. So so go and listen again if you forget it. But uh, leisure then, leisure, it's all about time, isn't it? And what goes into our time. And, And in one sense, work and leisure have that in common. It's about how we use our time and what goes into it, what goes to make it up. So maybe you'd like to think about it for a moment. What's in your time budget? What kind of goes to make up your time? What do you do? What do I do with my time? And I guess if we had a discussion about it, and you can think about this in the house groups if you like, we'd come up with with a couple of uh, general categories. There's stuff that we absolutely have to do, stuff that we must do, So we work or we do whatever we have to do to uh, get the money that we need. Uh, uh, We are involved in activities to do with surviving. We do chores, you know, we transport ourselves around or get other people or to do so. We have to look after ourselves, we have to look after other people. There's a lot of stuff in our time budget that we absolutely have to do. That's one part of it. And we're obligated to do those things. And then there's another big category of stuff in our time budget, which actually we don't have to do, but we're free to choose. We could do these things, or we couldn't. Now, you know, it's not a clear kind of division. It's almost like a line, you know, between one and the other, and there are bits and pieces that can be in the middle of that line. It's a spectrum. But generally, what we think about when we think in terms of leisure is about stuff that we don't absolutely have to do. We have freedom to do something or not, as the case may be. So leisure is that bit of our time where, where we're free to choose. Uh, we don't, you know, if we don't do those things, we're not going to starve, or you know, the children aren't going to be taken into care, or you know, our parents aren't going to, uh, you know, uh, suffer from our lack of, you know, consideration of them, or whatever it happens to be. Simple, really, but that's uh, where we're going. So leisure, then, is about using time in a certain way. Now, various things go into it. We could do a bit of a poll to see what kind of things that go into your kind of leisure time or or time where you're free to choose or, or not, whatever you want to do. All kinds of stuff, cultural things, you know, going to artist, artistic type activities, participating in them, um, recreation, sport or exercise or just getting outside in the open air or whatever it is, entertainment, laughing, thinking, uh, having fun with, uh, with other people, doing hobbies. A you know, whole load of different things come into our leisure activities. But they have some things in common. <laughs> And here are, the, uh, here are some of the things in common. Firstly, as I've said, we have choice whether or not to do them or not, usually. We don't have to do these things. Secondly, they generally enrich our humanity. There's stuff that you know, help us to be better human beings, hopefully. 
Um, it can all go wrong, as we shall see, but generally speaking, they enrich us and, and they go deep into our lives. Sometimes, you know, people talk about, you know, uh, our jobs and people say, well, I'm a so-and-so, you know, about my job. So, but you can define yourselves in other ways. You can define ourselves in terms of other things that matter to us. So, I suppose you could say, well, I'm a pastor, but I'm a musician. Well, I don't know who I am, but you know what I mean. I'm a musician, or I'm a writer, or you're, I don't know, uh, whatever it is that you do and matters a great deal to you in terms of your identity. They enrich our humanity. They're about our quality of lives, and there can be a spiritual dimension to what we do in our leisure time, as we shall see. And they're also often really strong builders of community or strengtheners. They, leisure is stuff that we, we do with our friends or as families. We, we take time as a family to go on holiday or, or whatever it is that we do. With, as I say, with our friends or with our community, it can be very important. And leisure can be far more significant than you might think. Uh, one study was done about uh, people's satisfaction with the whole of their lives. And you know, actually satisfaction in leisure was much more significant in some cases than satisfaction at work in de- determining your overall satisfaction with your life in this study. But leisure is um, proactive, It's not about doing nothing. It's not about being idle. If we're idle, the Bible warns us about idleness, we can drift into all kinds of unhelpful stuff. And you only have to read through the Proverbs or some of the New Testament letters. And there are warnings about about using leisure for, for just nothing, just being idle. So leisure is proactive. We 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 do something with the time. Leisure, secondly, is worth it. For itself, you see, it doesn't have to be for anything else. It's good. What we do in our leisure time is good for our, its own sake. That's when we do leisure. Leisure is kind of telling us that we don't have to be productive all the time. Everything we do hasn't, you know, got to produce something or make something or or be part of, you know, some great kind of, you know, economic recovery or or, or whatever. But actually, we can just be and do something. Just because it's a good thing to do. It's uh, for itself. It's not, it goes against what people call the utilitarian principle, if you're interested in long words. It simply means that it's there, it's good for its own sake. Thirdly, leisure tells you that it's all right to have fun, to enjoy yourself. It's pleasurable. Leisure says it's okay to have pleasure. Pleasure is, is not a bad thing. It's okay to take some time off. And leisure finally says that life is good. It's a positive about human life. It wants the best for people. Leisure, what we do in our leisure, reminds us that life can be enjoyable. It can be tasty. It can be fun. And it can still be meaningful. You know, it doesn't have to be drab or, or boring or the minimum or the cheapest to, to be worthwhile. You know, it's okay to have a Coke with a pizza. Now, why do I say that? Mary and I had an experience a while ago. No, nowhere near, you won't know any of these people. You know, we took a family out. They, they, they've been very good to us. We took a family with two teenagers out for pizza. We said, we're going to buy you dinner. Have dinner. You know, we want to pay. 
uh, and uh, they, they ordered their pizzas. They, they all, you know, all of them, and I couldn't get over the teenage boys, ordered the cheapest pizza on the menu. I said, do you want to have some Coke? Have some Coke or some 7-Up. You know, whenever we go out for a family, you know, it, it, it was in a place where you can have free top-ups, you know, and everything. So, so I was, you know, onto a good thing. So I said, you know, have... Oh, no, no, no. And they also, even the teenagers, no, well, we, no, we, just, we, we just have tap water when we go out, you know. Now, no offense or anything, if that's what you do. But, you know, I was paying. We wanted to bless these people. For goodness sake, have, have a coat with your pizza. <laughs> you see what I mean? That, and, and leisure is saying, it's all, it's all right. You don't, if you can afford it, you don't have to have the cheapest thing on the menu, especially if someone else is paying. And they, <laughs> and they genuinely mean it. Do you see, do you see that's what, what leisure is saying? Now, what has all this got to do with God? Some of you are thinking, that's fine, we're we're ten minutes in, he's not mentioned God hardly at all. Well, Christians haven't had an easy time with leisure, have we? You know, we're not really good at it in some ways. And you know, how you think about God affects your attitude to leisure, and sometimes your attitude to leisure and to life reveals what you really think about God. See, if you think God is indifferent, if you think God doesn't care, then you won't be too concerned about being idle. <coughs> Leisure for you will just be slobbing. It doesn't matter, you know, you know, whatever. If you think God is like a tough boss, then you're going to have trouble taking any time off from what you think you ought to be doing. Somebody told me recently that they grew up, and, and when this, this person was a little girl, in their house, they weren't allowed, they were from a, a very strongly religious family, they weren't allowed to have any toys because they were, quote, a waste of time. That wasn't that long ago, maybe 40 years ago. So if you think of God as a miserable, tough boss, then you know, you're not going to be able to take time off to just enjoy life in any way, are you? And if you think God is miserable or some kind of Scrooge and, you know, really hates it when he sees his children enjoying themselves, then you'll find it very difficult to get involved in pleasurable activities without wanting to hide them from him. You want to, be, want to avoid being positive about human life. So what can we learn about this from the Bible? Does God approve of leisure? Or not? What can we learn from the Bible? First thing is this. God gives us rhythms and he gives us rest. You know, remember we started in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 describes God as a worker. And Genesis 1 tells us that we're made in God's image and that we work. And the fact, as we will probably see in September, the fact that we're created beings by God a loving creator, is hugely significant for us as human beings. You know, whether you believe in evolution or whether God used it or whether it was six days or blah, 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 all of that stuff is, is not the point. The point is that we have been made. We are created beings by a loving creator. And that affects our lives enormously. And if, as the Bible says in verse chapter Genesis 1, verse 9, God saw that it was good, his creation was good. Genesis 1, verse 26 talks about, uh, God says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, and so on. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
rule over the fish of the sea, and so on. God makes the world, he makes human beings in his image, and he gives them a job to do on his behalf. That's the whole working, the where our work comes from. But God sees that it's good. And what does God do at the end of his work? Chapter 1, verse 31. It's on page 4 if you want to follow it. God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. This is Genesis 2, verse 2. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Well, that's an interesting picture of God, isn't it, as a worker? The end of it all, God has stood back from it, said, whoa, (laughs) that is good. He takes pleasure in the work that he's done, and he stops, and he rests, it says. He stops, and he enjoys it. So we see right at the beginning, if we're to be like God, then there's this boundary between work and stopping working and enjoying the creation that we're in. I mean, if God can do that, can't we? (laughs) Especially if we're made in his image. Now, God doesn't worship himself, obviously, but he invites humans to join him on that kind of symbolic day, in that symbolic act. It says he made that day holy, verse 3. He made it special. He set it on one side. And in the book of Exodus, in chapter 31, I'll just read it, no need to turn it up, but we will look into Exodus in a minute. The Israelites came to uh, observe the Sabbath. They were told to set one day for rest, you know, to stand back and rest and enjoy God and enjoy what God has done, for goodness sake. That's the kind of uh, thrust of it. And in Exodus 31, it says the Israelites, God says the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, says the Lord. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed, says the NIV, the latest, uh, more accurate version of the NIV and other translations. God was refreshed, God says. I know I can't get my head around that. God doesn't get tired, does he? But God is saying, look, I want you to be like me. I want you to step back from it and be refreshed. And that, as you know, many of you, becomes the fourth commandment. In Exodus chapter 20, the people are told to take a day, verse 8 to 11, a time to stop being productive, to realise that there is more to life than work, that it's okay to stop. You know they had to get manna every day, didn't you? Remember that manna, that white stuff that came down uh, and they got it in the morning and they called it manna because manna means, oh, what's that? And so they had to get, oh, what's that in Hebrew? Every day, put it on one side, cook it, you know, do various things. They must have had a great Delia Smith, you know, 200 ways of using manna in your diet or whatever. Um, but then what happened on that seventh day? Well, on the previous day, they had enough for two days. They didn't even have to get their manna. The rhythm changed, it stopped. 
And God says, look, I want you to just take a day off and think about me for a day. And then there were these feast days in the Old Testament, we'll hear more about them in a minute, where people weren't meant to work. And you, you know, in the Old Testament law, even the land could have a year off, <laughs> had a sabbatical. They were told, look, you know, leave your land uh, for, for a year, don't, don't plant on it, give it a break. And they had to do it something else every 50 years, called the Jubilee. It was this rhythm, this idea that you know, you're, you're not meant as human beings to be in this non-stop cycle of productivity. You know, like in, is it, uh, Animal Farm, that old horse says, I must work harder. Do you remember, have you read that book? Gosh, took me back to O-level then for a minute. But you know, it's not meant to be like that, says God. It was okay to stop. So we have a mandate to work, to be like God in that way. Now, how about the mandate to stop working? It's a commandment. Do you keep it? Do I? Well, you know, Jesus did. He kept it. Uh, look at chapter uh, Mark, chapter 6. You might like to turn to this one. It's on page uh, 1008, 1009. It's in Mark, chapter 6. Some of you will know it, verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Jesus dismisses the crowd and cuts loose from his disciples. That's what he did. There was plenty to do, plenty of people to talk to, plenty of ministry to get on with, plenty of people needed healing. Those people had just been fed with you know, loaves and fishes, but Jesus said, that's enough. Disciples, get into the boat. You go over the other side of the lake. I'm, you know, proud. Thanks, that's all. Show's over. Go home. You know, there's nothing more to see. Off you go. It's over and for now. Jesus did that. Uh, he encourages the disciples earlier in Mark 6, verse 30. The disciples come back from this great mission. They've been on, it says, they, they gather around Jesus and reported to him all that... Uh, they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There were boundaries around work, even in Jesus' ministry. And you know, there need to be clear boundaries in our lives, time when we rest and take time out. Now that isn't leisure, but it's into that space that leisure, as it were, comes. The rest creates the space, leisure is what goes into it. So what then can we put into that space? Well, all kinds of things. The second big point to realise, not only did God rest, but secondly, God has put us in a beautiful creation. God has done more than what's necessary, hasn't it? Right from the beginning, the creation was good. God said, this is good. Uh, and it was good, and it was good not just because it worked. It works fantastically. The creation works wonderfully, doesn't it? The more we realise it, the more wonderful it is. We can go, go look into the, the other side of the universe or into the tiniest molecule. It's amazing the way it works. But it is also, not just it works well, it's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? 
Why is that? It doesn't have to be. In Genesis 2 verse 9, there's a lovely phrase about the trees that were in the garden. They were pleasing to the eye and good for food. It's interesting, it's not even they were good for food. Oh, and by the way, they were pleasing to the eye. They, were, they tasted great, and they, so they fed people, and they looked fantastic. Beautiful. That's how God has made the world. Jesus in Matthew 6, so don't turn to it now, but some of you will know it, verse 28 to 29. He told the disciples to think about the lilies, the meadow flowers. In the Middle East, I was in the Middle East in Jordan once, and, and, and I was in a rocky place, and the guy I was with, he said, see that, you can just see, it's all just a little bit kind of faintly hazy green, you know, like, you know, apple white with, or, or, or gray with a hint, hint of green. He said, that's, that's the grass coming. Week's time it will be green, another week it will be full of color, and then a week later, it will be gone again. Jesus said, that's what the flowers, are. look at these flowers in the Middle East. They come, they go, they're absolutely beautiful. Because God's made it that way. He loves beauty. I won't, I won't go into too much detail. I want to save it for when the students come back, partly, but uh, also, <laughs> I've got time. I once had an amazing look inside my own bladder. Some of you have had that experience. <laughs> Part of my recent medical journey. Now, you know what a bladder is. It's a bag. You know what goes into it. I won't use the Anglo-Saxon, but you know what it's about. Do you know, it was absolutely beautiful. Never seen anything like it. It was all kind of lovely structures. It was pink, and it actually started moving. And the doctor said, "Look, you've yeah, got good muscles there. You know, it's, it's working." <laughs> all right, I thought. Why? Yeah, we make we we make a bag to put you know waste products in. What are they like? They're black bin bags, aren't they? God makes a bladder. Whoa, it's beautiful. Why is that? Because what he's like. He loves beautiful things, doesn't he? And the Bible says that, that you know, all through it, there is more about creation than that it works. There's beauty to be enjoyed. And if we go into uh, the New Testament, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, um, if you're in Mark, you can either listen. These are just verses. Um, uh, they're not long passages. But if you want to turn, you'll find it on page 1194. Page 1194, chapter 6, verse 17. Paul is talking about uh, money, actually. And he tells Timothy, verse 17, to command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. That's true, isn't it? But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See that? God has given us so much. Everything for our enjoyment. We need to be very careful how we use what God's given. We mustn't forget where it comes from. We need to use it in the way God wants us to use it. If you turn back just one page into 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul warns Timothy about some people who are teaching things, verse 3, they tell people you shouldn't marry, you should abstain from certain foods, you know, you should... You know, live a life which is, you know, whatever, uh, boring and with nothing lovely in it kind of thing. And what does Paul say? God created those things to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good. 
and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Now we have to be careful how we use what God has given us. But the point is he's given us everything to enjoy. And that's really important. To be enjoyed in reference to God and his glory. So leisure then. Using God's gifts, using them his way. Using them in relation to him. He's to be part of this aspect of our lives. And these verses point us, these principal points us in a way to use leisure. Paul says here, you can use, the, what, use it with thanksgiving. So here's a good test. I was told when I was a teenager, my Bible class teacher said, you know whether you should be doing something or not? Ask yourself, could you honestly stop in the middle of it and utter a prayer saying, thank you God for this that I'm doing now. <laughs> if you can't, you probably shouldn't be doing it. I thought that's a pretty good piece of advice to be received with thanksgiving. Or if you're in a place in leisure or somewhere and you honestly thought if Jesus came in, he wouldn't be at home here and I'd be embarrassed. That's another good reason. Hey, we're not using it in the way God intended if that's the case. So the final big point then, not only has God put us in a beautiful creation, not only has God uh, rested himself, the final thing is that God, in the Bible tells us, invites us to a party. God is not against parties. Because if you look through uh, human experience, you discover that celebrations and life together, feasts and festivals, leisure time that we spend with other people, uh, set aside to, to appreciate something or to enjoy human life, It's all part of human societies all around the world. We all do it. And you know what? God encouraged his people in the Old Testament to do that too. Festivals were part of their experience. And God put these great events into Israel's history, these festivals to to remind people of what God had done and to enable them to appreciate what he's done. I'm not going to go into it now. You can do do it in house groups. But Nehemiah 8 is a fascinating picture of what goes on when the Israelites discover they could be having a festival. And they have one. And they have a great time. There's joy. There's camping. There's food. There's stuff for the whole community, all the family, all ages involved. God... Festivals are part of the life of God's people in the Old Testament. Jesus, (laughs) the first thing he did, this was just the start. John, in his Gospel, says, this is just the start of Jesus' ministry, was turning uh, gallons and gallons of water into the best wine they'd ever tasted. What does that tell us about God? What does it tell us about Jesus? You look at the life of Jesus, there's much eating, there's much drinking with people. It's not drunkenness in Jesus' life, but some of the people he was around used to get drunk. He didn't. The Bible tells us to use alcohol wisely. We can't handle it, don't use it at all. But the Bible is not against us enjoying what God has given. We see humor, we see fun in Jesus' stories, in Jesus' teaching. You know, and that, this is in another culture, 2,000 years ago, having been translated three times, firstly Aramaic, then Greek, then English. With all of that, you can still see the jokes, just about. A friend of mine, Andy Peck, he's just done a, a thesis for a master's on the way Jesus told jokes, you know, Jesus' jokes in, in his teaching. Vigil jokes, you know, kind of stories he told, all that kind of stuff. Don't ever think that God doesn't enjoy laughing. Jesus seemed to do so. And then Jesus 
as a life-affirming person. He made beautiful furniture for 15 years or more before he became a preacher. Do we forget that, don't we? What kind of stuff did he make? Well, we'll see an allusion to it in a minute. And in all of these festivals, worship is part of it. Worship is a feature of... um, No, I've missed a bit. Sorry, we need to... Uh, go on to the next one. Yeah, finally. Yeah, in Revelation. Revelation 19, verse 9. Where is it all going? How does the, the final kind of celebration, how is it described in the book of Revelation as the wedding celebration, the wedding reception in heaven? Now, does that sound like a God who's against us using leisure time to appreciate his goodness, to appreciate human company? You know, is that what God sounds like? No, God... It's not against parties at all. And in all of these things, worship is a feature. Worship and leisure surprisingly come together. We see it in the Old Testament in these festivals. And I wanted to just think about this. I'm nearly done. But what we do as a church together, because we choose to, we, you know, in, a, in a way, coming to church, being together like this, is something we do as a leisure activity, Because we want to. We don't have to, but we want to. And we choose to. And and think about leisure combining with worship, with community, with fun, with music, with food. Isn't that really special? Isn't that something that our life could be more about as a church? It's easier to say, well, leisure time's got nothing to do with the church. You know, somebody say, well, it's not leisure, you know. Well, in that sense, it isn't in the sense that you, know, you don't want it to be on the periphery of your life, your church involvement. But, but life together, celebrating God's goodness, enjoying his creation, you know, the music and all the other stuff that we do. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? It's fantastic. We can choose to do that. Because we want to enjoy God together. And maybe we should inject more of that into our lives. Maybe we should be finding ways to celebrate more and to draw people in. Because it's good. Not because it works. Because we want to. Now, as I implied, leisure, like everything else, is touched by the fall. We need to be wise how we use leisure and how we use the gifts God's given us. And we'll think about that more in groups. But let's not miss the fact that Jesus said he came to give us life in all its fullness. Abundant life. And I want to leave the last word to Jesus, which... uh, is in Matthew 11. That's on page uh, 977. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. He's talking about his followers. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The amazing relationship of love between the Father and the Son, and we're invited to be part of it as well, because he goes on to say, how does the Son choose to reveal people? Well, he sends out an invitation, verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to come and be given rest as we learn from him, as we walk with him. As a carpenter, he would have made probably hundreds, if not thousands of yokes for oxen to plough with. Jesus says, I make a great yoke. <laughs> he's not talking about a literal yoke. He's saying, and, and you know, you can come and you can team up with me like two oxen. You can, can plough alongside me. And you know what, says Jesus? Yeah, it'll, it'll be work, but it's not overburdening work. It'll be, you'll find rest in that for your deepest being. So God gives us rhythms. God gives us rest. God puts us in a beautiful creation to enjoy and interact with. God invites us to a party, which can start now. Now, there's a lot more to say on leisure. We'll probably do another thing on, okay, there's some principles. You know, let's, let's look at some of the practicalities. Now we know it's okay to enjoy some leisure, then we'll, we'll think about how we actually get some of the wisdom we need to approach it another time. For now, let's live the whole of our life, including leisure, joyfully and learning with Jesus together and as a community for God's glory.